it was an eye-opener. I was actually able to create this beautiful art and to develop a vision and an artistic aesthetic using ICM to create these abstract landscapes. You don't have to go to the far corners in these iconic locations around the world. You can do it right where you are in your own backyard. Welcome to the Viewfinders Photography Podcast. Graham Dargie here. I'm a photographer based in Snowy, Aberdeen in Scotland. And my guest today is ICM photographer Stephanie Johnson. We'll meet Stephanie in a minute. But first, how have you been? I hope you're safe and well wherever you are. Me, I'm fresh off hosting my latest Viewfinders Live event with Shona Perkins the other night. And I have to say it was a great success. Uh, We had great support from you, the Viewfinders community, the ICM photography community, as well as coverage in Outdoor Photography Magazine here in the UK. In the end, we sold way more tickets than we expected. And on the night, people tuned in from all over the world, every corner of the UK, all over the US, Canada, Mexico, New Zealand, Netherlands and Latvia. And for me, seeing all of those people from all of those places come together around my little podcast, it's just mind-blowing and so gratifying. So thank you to every single person who bought a ticket. Thanks to MPB for sponsoring the event. And of course, thanks to Shona for being the most fantastic guest. So with that event in the history books, I'm already planning more events. And I'm also trying to think of more ways to serve you, the viewfinders community, with inspiring content to help you on your photography journey, because that's really what it's all about. So watch the space and I'll be announcing the next Viewfinders Live event soon. Otherwise, photography-wise, I had a fun test shoot last week where I was trying out some new lighting styles for headshots. Um, I love that kind of stuff, pottering about with lighting and and getting people in uh, for this shoot. Really good fun for me. And I learned a thing or two as well, so that was good. And it's the Easter school holidays here, so just busy driving my daughter around and planning a couple of family days away next week. So really looking forward to that. How about you? I'd love to see what you've been getting up to and check out your photography so you can connect with me on Instagram at Viewfinders Podcast, where you'll get updates about the show. And why not check out the Viewfinders website to find all the previous episodes of the podcast and information about upcoming Viewfinders Live events. Okay, my guest this week is Stephanie Johnson, an ICM photographer based in Iowa in the USA. Stephanie is the founder, creator, and publisher of ICM Photography Magazine, a first-of-its-kind e-magazine about ICM photography. Stephanie, along with Kaiser Seren and Morag Patterson, also run the ICM Photomag Network, an online community dedicated to educating and mentoring ICM photographers from around the world. Stephanie's own photography journey is deeply connected to her personal journey, and we talk about her background serving in the US Marine Corps, how she discovered ICM photography, and the impact this has had in her life. I really enjoyed spending this time with Stephanie, who brings a thoughtfulness and playfulness to her photography. If you're into ICM, you're going to relate to a lot of what Stephanie says, and if you're new to ICM photography, then there's just a lot here to learn. So, get the headphones in, relax, and enjoy my conversation with Stephanie Johnson. Stephanie Johnson, welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm great. How are you, Graham? Uh, I'm good, thanks. I'm good. You saw me here with my hat on. It's really cold here today. It's cold here too in Iowa, actually. Yeah, I was so excited to hear that you're from Iowa because I know that is where Captain Kirk comes from. And... (laughs) As a Star Trek fan, I would be like, whoa, that's so cool. But you, uh, you don't think it's that cool. Yeah, no, Riverside. Yep, yeah, that's where Captain Kirk is from in the future. And it's actually not too far from where I live. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. You have to do a pilgrimage for me. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, my Star Trek love comes up frequently on the podcast. Yeah. So um, thank you, Stephanie. I'm so looking forward to this. Um. ICM's been featured on the podcast a couple of times before with Father Bailey and Shona Perkins and uh, there's always a really strong response to those episodes. You're a leader in the ICM community so it's really good to have you on and for me um, as an outsider to ICM really 
it's I'm here to learn and and pick up on some of the the, the whys and hows of ICM photography. But before we dive in, um, I thought it would be useful for people listening who who may not know what we're talking about, what ICM photography is, to just to start by defining what that is. Can you do that? What is ICM photography? Sure. Yeah, ICM stands for intentional camera movement. So at you know just a basic level, um, it's moving the camera during the exposure uh, to create and it creates kind of an abstract effect with the images it, it introduces blur and movement and um, things like that into the image so um, ICM is just really a very artistic and creative kind of photography that's not your traditional you know you don't have to follow the same kinds of rules as you do with traditional say landscape photography or portrait photography um, so that's just kind of a basic overview of what it is just moving the camera during the exposure okay and so for your photography we're really talking about in the context of landscape photography would you would you say that's the right way to say it or yeah i mean i am i considered myself I've always considered myself to be a landscape photographer uh, that's what I started out shooting and so when I when I made the transition to start shooting ICM photography it was I was just naturally drawn to do that in the landscape uh, but mm -hmm. you know you can use ICM in any with any kind of subject it can be urban architectural it can be people it can be you know just even the clutter on your desk it can be you know anything anything in your home um, so but for my own personal aesthetic I do prefer to be out in nature shooting um, the landscape using ICM great okay so we'll come back to this but um, for now um, let's go back were you you weren't born and brought up in Iowa, as you were saying before. Where did you where did you originate? Uh, I grew up. I was born and grew up in Texas, uh, in the Dallas Fort Worth area, and I uh, was in the military. Actually, I don't know wow. if a lot of people know that about me, because I don't always necessarily talk about it. But I was in the Marines, believe it or not, for 20 years on active duty. So um, I left Dallas and went to the military and I was stationed, you know, in a number of different places, mostly on the west coast of the United States and overseas in Japan for almost 10 years. Mm -hmm. um, so, so yeah, I ended up in Iowa kind of well, I was married to a Marine. I, I met and married a Marine um, who was from Iowa. And mm -hmm. so when we finished our military career, we moved to Iowa to be close to his family. But we got divorced in 2015, and I've just stayed because my daughter and my son-in-law are pretty much settled here in okay. Iowa City. So Okay. Yep. And so um, I don't know about military things, but I, Marines are like, in terms of soldiers, they're they're kind of tougher soldiers. Is that am I right <laughs> to say that? Yes, uh, the Marine Corps in the in the uh, in the United States is kind of the elite branch of service, kind of like the Royal Marines. You know, I mm -hmm. I would I would think. Um, you know the the marine corps is quite a bit smaller than the army so it's harder to get in okay. uh and you know the marines just have this image of being you know first to fight and um just being a lot more hardcore like you said okay. yes than okay. the other branches of service and so do you do you are you join the army and then you go to apply to the marines or is no a no kind of thing? you just you join the marines you go straight to the marines if that's what your choice is so i made okay. that choice to go to the marine corps yes okay and so that's that's like a selection process that it must be quite a tough selection process I can, I well the scoring because anytime you join the military in the united states you have to take what's called an armed services vocational aptitude battery test um, and it just depends on your scores. So the Marine Corps, you have to have higher scores to get even to even be accepted into the Marine Corps. Your scores have to be higher than they are for any of the other branches of the of the military. Um, 
but I had been in ROTC, which a junior ROTC, which is kind of a junior training in high school, um, where they teach you how to do different things military related. And it was a Marine Corps um, junior ROTC, which stands for Reserve Officer Training Corps. Um, So when I graduated high school, it just was something that I I didn't really have any other options. No one ever told me I could go to college, and it wasn't something that my parents were going to pay for. So it was never something that was, and I'm the oldest of three children, so it wasn't ever something that was really on the table for me to go to college. And um, joining the military just seemed like the best option that I had at the time, and it Mm -hmm. really turned out to be probably the best thing that could have ever happened to me okay so you had a good experience in those years well I mean I was a troubled teen growing up also so it kind of set me on the right path to getting my life together you know and giving me direction and helping me learn how to be a responsible adult and things like that so you know it just it who knows where I would have been, you know, if I hadn't mm-hmm. done that. And, I, you know, I don't dwell on the past. I'm not the kind of person that dwells on the past or things that have happened in the past. But because I do believe that everything that happens, happens for a reason, and it makes us who we are. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I wouldn't be the person that I am today, if it had not been for for those experiences. And I wouldn't have met my spouse, even though we didn't stay married, I wouldn't have my daughter, you know, mm-hmm. so yeah. And so, um, may I ask what kind of role you had, you were seeing you're an active service, does that mean a soldier or that, that could be something else? Well, just as opposed to being a reservist because if you're a reservist you only go do it on the weekends once a month if you're on active duty that's your full-time job so that's what you do for you know day in day out Uh, and so I was trained actually to be a heavy equipment mechanic Mm -hmm. in the early 1980s and um, when I went to my first duty station they had never had a female mechanic work on the floor turning wrenches in that particular mm-hmm. shop so the first thing they wanted to do was put me behind a desk <laughs> doing <Okay>. admin <laughs> paperwork okay. so I kind of got pigeonholed into doing admin work most of okay. my career but I had some wonderful experiences I, that I never would have had uh, I worked for some some high-level general officers over the years that um, went on to be uh, high-profile in the Amer- in the in the United States government. Um, so you know, overall, I mean, it was it was definitely uh, a good experience, and I got to do a lot of things I never would have gotten to do any mm-hmm. other way. That's so interesting. Um, well, I know you said you don't like to dwell on the past. I do. I love it. That's why I'm diving right in here. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I didn't see that coming. I, I mean, from the kind of work that I've seen you do, and which is kind of like gentle and it has um, an emotional kind of quality to it, if you like. If that's maybe not the best word, but and then from that background, I'm I was just surprised to hear that. So, where and when did photography come into the picture then? Well, I, I started with the camera in the 1990s while I we were stationed in Okinawa and uh, in Japan, and it's kind of that's kind of really where I, I picked up first picked up the camera and first developed this passion that I wanted to shoot landscapes. I started shooting the sunsets there in Okinawa because you know it's a small island in the South China Sea, East China Sea, and uh, you know you get really brilliant sunsets, and so from there I got stationed in 29 Palms in California and it's just outside of Joshua Tree National Park which is a place that I love and so I would spend a lot of time going out there and shooting and visited Death Valley and and places in Southern California that just really spoke to me the landscapes really spoke to me but I didn't necessarily have the support 
for the creative work that I wanted to do uh, in my marriage. And so um, it was never something that I was ever able to really devote a lot of a time and attention to it would just kind of ebb and flow you know I, there mm -hmm. would be times when i could do it and then other times when i wasn't able to do it and so it just kind of was that way over the next well from or from the mid 90s until 2015 so about 20 years it was just kind of this thing when we retired when i retired from the military and we moved to iowa one of the ways I tried to get into photography was doing sport photography with my daughter at school. So I just started taking my camera out to shoot her playing basketball or softball. And I was taking pictures of the other kids on the team as well. And parents were liking the images that I was taking. And, and so I got asked to do a lot of that, that kind of photography, but that's never been really my passion. Mm -hmm. And it also just was something that um, was, I wasn't able to sustain that because of the lack of support I had for doing creative work mm -hmm. in my marriage. And maybe this is all stuff that you don't really need or want to know. I don't mind. No, it's fine. It's the story. I mean, it's the journey for me that yeah. is interesting. And I think all of those things inform in where you're at, you know, like, uh, yeah, yeah that's, it's fine. But I'm sure a lot of people can relate to it's a difficult time to get or make time for your own pursuits when kids are young, I guess. Plus, just relationship dynamics it can be tricky, I'm sure. Yeah. Okay, so so you did a lot of sort of traditional landscape photography over those years in and out and so then when did ICM kind of land in your world well and so with ICM it came into my life in about 2017 but what happened was in 2015 I got divorced I went through a divorce um, after 24 years of marriage and it was not something that I asked for. It kind of came unexpectedly and surprisingly. And it was in that process that I decided that it was, you know, time to get back to the core of who I am because I did feel like, and I did, and I agreed, or I allowed it to happen because I believed in the relationship and I, believed in the commitment I had made to the relationship, but I had allowed that relationship to stifle my creativity over the years. You know, mm -hmm. obviously I've said that I was not supported in my creative work. Uh, and so, you know, it was, it's, it's something that's always been in me, creative work. I grew up playing musical instruments and I was reading and writing literature at an early age and my stepfather who raised me was a an abstract artist a painter um, you know I was very immersed in the arts growing up as a child even though it, it was a troubled time for me as well but um, so it's always something that's been in me and it was in 2015 that it was finally able to be released, I think, mm -hmm. you know. <laughs> and yeah. so in 2015, I was turning 50. I was getting divorced after 24 years of marriage. And my daughter said, let's go to Ireland for your 50th birthday. So that's what we did. We traveled to Ireland and I fell in love with the place. Mm -hmm. uh, and over the next two years, I returned to Ireland seven or eight times. So I was going about every three months, three or four months okay, wow. to Ireland just to photograph the landscapes there. And every time I would come back to Iowa and I would think, well, there's nothing here to inspire me. So mm -hmm. I just left the camera in the bag until my next trip to Ireland. And in 2017, um, one of my mentors, Irish mentors, Peter Gordon, he said, you know, you can't just wait until the next time you come back to Ireland to get your camera out of the bag. You've got to find a way to get inspired and do the work where you're at. Mm -hmm. At that same time, I also read a book by David Dushiman, who is a Canadian photographer mm -hmm. called A Beautiful Anarchy. And he says the same thing. You know, you can't wait for inspiration to hit you. You mm -hmm. have 
have to get out and do the work and it's in the doing of the work that inspiration comes mm -hmm. and so i had seen some icm at that point but i had never done any and i thought okay let me get my camera out here in iowa and go out and try that in the Iowa landscape and see if I can turn that into something that appeals to me. And when I started doing it, it was it was amazing. It was it was an eye opener, you know, that I was a I was actually able to create this beautiful art and um, to develop a vision and an artistic aesthetic using ICM to create these abstract landscapes mm -hmm. that you never even would know were Iowa. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, that also kind of just inspired me to, to also encourage other people to, to say that you don't have to travel, not that travel is a bad thing, but you don't have to go to the far corners and these iconic locations around the world to create beautiful images with your camera. You can do it right where you are in your own backyard, uh, you know, because that's basically what I've done. I've shot more prolifically in the past since 2017 than I ever did when I was shooting, you know, just going to, to Ireland. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it just eventually became this thing where I, I don't even think about shooting a traditional landscape anymore. My mm -hmm. intention every time I go out is to shoot ICM, to create ICM images. So when you discovered ICM then, I was going to ask how the transition was for you, but it sounded like it came to you quite willingly. I was always curious about people shedding rules and um, if that is a hard process, because there can be a lot of rules around photography. I don't know if you were just ready for that with the stage that you were at in life, maybe. Was there a transition there or did it just land in your lap like that where you're like, OK, I get this? No, I think it was an easy transition because of a number of different things. For one, you know, I had also been at that particular time doing a very deep spiritual dive, uh, you know, and getting to know who I am at the core of me. And so it kind of all came together at the same time. And in a way that ICM also actually helped me connect to that spiritual world in a more meaningful way because I'm not looking, you know, when we're doing traditional photography, we're looking at a landscape or we're looking at an urban scene or people or whatever in a very literal way. We're seeing with our physical eyes the, the, the literal landscape or the literal lines of a subject. And ICM, it just it removes all of that, you know, mm -hmm. in a way, in kind of the same way that happens when you start looking inward, you know, you stop seeing maybe the separation of things. When you start looking inward, you start to see the connection between right. all things instead of the separation. And when we're looking with our physical eyes, a lot of times we are seeing things as separate, you know, that thing in the distance is separate from that thing in the distance but with mm -hmm. ICM it all becomes one mm -hmm. you know and and that's kind of how I feel on a spiritual level as well and so from that perspective I think it all came together you know it all just really came together in the way that it needed to I think and then even though I had lived this very regimented lifestyle, having been in the military and then also working for the, um, the federal government for a number of years after my military service, um, you know, I, I had that artistic part of me that had been laying dormant for so long or had been stifled for so long, you know, that I think it was just it was just time and ready to come out and so even though I was in the military and I lived a regimented lifestyle I also do not necessarily always think following the rules is mm -hmm. necessarily something that we have to do 
no matter what, you know, mm -hmm. even in the military, there are times I think when following, not following the rules can be, can save lives, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, mm -hmm. um, I've never been really stuck on this idea that we have to follow certain rules. So yeah. Okay. And ICM definitely allows you to break free of all of that mm -hmm. <laughs> for sure. That was the sort of philosophical side of things, maybe. Let's look at some of the sort of practicalities and the the, the process of, of doing it. I'm always interested with landscape photographers. I'm, I'm, I'm throwing you in that bucket now, but um, of landscape photography. But when you get to a location, what then? Where's the starter point? What do you start to look for? Because for me, as shooting as a traditional landscape photographer, I'm like, okay, there's going to be a focal point probably over there, it might be a lighthouse or something, mountain, and now I'm looking for something in the foreground, and then I'll I'll look for separation, um, um, and and then we'll just try and figure it out and put it together, and I'll move around, and there's there's a might have my own way of doing that, mm -hmm. with the kind of photography you're doing where it's not it's not that, isn't it? So what's the starter point when you go out to shoot ICM? I guess I would say the starting point for me is just to get out there and to be in, in nature. And once I'm out there, I start to see things that cap catch my attention. So if I'm out with my camera and I'm just walking on a trail or something and I come around a bend, I might see the way the light is hitting a particular tree in a way that just really hits me. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, I've been out before where I'm walking on a path and I come around a corner and there's um, some trees with vines growing up the side of the trees and the light is coming through breaks in the in the in the trees, uh, tree tops to hit those vines in such a way that the that the green of them of the leaves look really illuminated against, you know, the darker backdrop of the tree behind the bark of the tree behind it. And so, you know, it's things like that. It's just little things like that, that are catching my attention when I'm out there. And then I think, oh, I've got to try to work with that. Or I want to see what I can do with that to create mm -hmm. something unique or different with my images. Um, and I think ICM has helped me learn how to see the light in a much different way than it did when I was doing traditional landscape photography. It's it's helped me to notice small details, whereas with a you know when you're doing grand scale landscape photography, a lot of times your your attention doesn't go to those small details mm -hmm. um, in quite the same way. And so you know I really have always felt like ICM photography opened me up to a lot of things that I never would have really noticed, I don't think, or I, I might not ever have really developed an eye for if I had continued just primarily shooting traditional grand scale landscape images. So for me, you know, when I go out, I go out to be out in nature, but then I also go out a lot of times specifically to shoot a sunset and so you know there there are several locations around a lake where I live uh, that I do shoot sunsets a lot and uh, I I go to these different locations at different times of the year so those are things I'm thinking about is where is the Sun gonna set at any particular given point uh, of the year so that I know which location to go to uh, be, so that it will be in the in the right spot for what I want to capture with that. Um, so I don't know. Did I get off track of the question? Did I answer the question? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think so. And so do you know, when do you start to know like what you're trying to achieve? If I'm going to um, a location, like a landscape location, like the kind you get here, you kind of know what the shot is or where you might start, you get that in the bag, then you might look for something else. But because it's so abstract, how do you, when does in the process do you start to think, oh, this is what it might be? Or can you know what it is? Or do you, it's like a finding process? 
I think it is kind of a finding process each time you go out. So, you know, I go to the same locations over and over and over and over again. And I'm always looking for different ways to capture that scene in a different way. Because, you know, if I'm going to that place and with ICM, there is a lot of, uh, you know, no two images are exactly the same. Some of them might look the same, but, uh, and, but they're not all exactly the same. And so, you know, different types of movements, different types of settings will create different effects, different speeds of movements will create different effects. So, you know, I'm always looking to try to push the, the images that I'm creating in a new way. After I've shot a particular scene, hundreds or thousands of times um, then I'm always looking to move the camera differently to try to cre create something different that I haven't done or I haven't seen before mm -hmm. and so you know it is a little bit of a finding process and even sometimes you wouldn't really maybe necessarily think of it this way but I could go to the exact same location for a sunset and shoot today the sunset and then tomorrow there's going to be a completely different kind of weather condition and the same movements I used to shoot that scene the day before might not really work with those weather conditions that I've shot that I'm shooting mm -hmm. the next day and so mm -hmm. you know you just have to see how um, the light is playing on the camera you know you have to you have to kind of play around with it for me anyway you mm -hmm. know and when I go out I shoot typically three to five hundred images on any given outing mm -hmm. and because part of it is that I am trying different things but part of it too is that I just get in this flow of moving with camera and moving in nature and it's just mm -hmm. part of a it's all part of the creative process for me mm -hmm. i feel like i'm more process driven than i am results driven mm -hmm. and so um yeah i mean i don't pre-visualize necessarily okay. really in the way that i think a lot of people might uh, i just go out and start playing and seeing mm -hmm. what's happening and if I like what I'm seeing then I just make adjustments or I try to replicate or I try something new to see if I can push the boundaries a little bit farther to do something new and different and exciting mm -hmm. so there's an element of play you know I really think with ICM there there needs to be an, a, an element of play mm -hmm. involved in in it okay in your process then you you mentioned flow. I wasn't sure if you meant like you actually go into flow where you're just kind of zoned out of everything else and you're just doing that activity. And I was curious to, to bring it back to what we were talking about earlier. If there's that sort of spiritual connected to nature aspect of it come in and that in, in the process as well somewhere, does all of that sort of um, join together at some point when you reach uh, achieve that kind of flow state? Am I... Am I understanding that yeah no i i think that's very much the case because you know when you're being mindful you're not thinking of anything else you know mm -hmm. you're just present in the moment and so for me when i get into that flow that's what it's all about i'm just moving the camera and i'm not thinking about anything else you know i'm looking and i'm noticing what's happening on the back of the camera and if i see something i like then then it brings me back to to that you know okay what am I doing with my uh, movements or my technique but for the most part it's just it is being present in the moment and just being a part of what's going on right then and there and not thinking about you know is this image or you know it's not thinking about 
as I'm seeing the images on the back of the camera, it's not thinking about, oh, how's anybody going to react to that? Mm -hmm. You know, because mm -hmm. I think a lot of times with even traditional photography, you could be out there and you can capture something and you can think, oh, my goodness, everybody's just going to love that. You know, I don't really, I don't shoot for anybody else. I don't mm -hmm. create for anybody else. I create for myself. And so um, there is none, when I'm in the flow, there is none of that external thinking about um, what anybody else is going to think. If it's mm -hmm. making me happy and, you know, I'm enjoying the process, then that's all, that's the most important part. And honestly, you know, like I said, I can shoot three to 500 images at, in any given outing and I may not even ever, I may not look at those images until a week or two weeks or a month later um, mm -hmm. because a lot of it to me is just that's part of the creative process. I get as much satisfaction in that part of the process as I do post-processing an image and sharing it on social media. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. Okay, that's yeah. so interesting. So that's it, when, I'm, when I shoot landscape photography, when I have in that spell of my career that I'm not in any longer, um, very much was for work and I was out there to get something no doubt I was out there to take something to capture something and that was I was like hunting kind of thing well and it's interesting that you say that word hunting and take and capture because mm -hmm. we do use those terms mm -hmm. to talk about our photography and those are really I try not to use them mm -hmm. because it does seem like a very um, aggressive Mm -hmm. uh, processor aspect of photography when you start thinking about taking images and capturing images and hunting for the scene mm -hmm. or whatever uh, and you know it, it's it's not about that kind of aggression mm -hmm. it's about just being connected and and being mm -hmm. a part of and creating you know mm -hmm. and being part of that creative flow and energy that that is the universe mm -hmm. you know so yeah. I, I just sorry I, I inter interrupted you but I just thought it was interesting that you said that because I did read something recently that's said that you know we do use a lot of those t kinds of terminology that are very aggressive terms yeah i was gonna say i've i had uh, paul sanders on i don't know if you know paul sanders mm -hmm. he's an english uh, photographer and a landscape guy he said that he was um saying yeah we use words like take capture but his he said i don't take photographs i receive them and i just thought it was brilliant like it was like a game changer for me, like, <laughs> but you can understand that, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, because mm -hmm. that you that that creative energy from the universe is working through you. It's mm -hmm. you know it's coming through you and out of you, and it's not something that you're necessarily doing yourself. You're not, and if you're thinking of it in those terms, then you're probably you probably just have a different view on the world anyway, mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. think, if you're thinking. But it is also ingrained in us because, mm -hmm. it, you know, that is what we are, we have always grown up and been taught to think of with photography is that we're taking and we're capturing. But, you know, capturing is, is a very negative way yeah. of thinking about something because you can capture, you know, animals or people mm -hmm. in a very negative way or so you know thinking in those terms is almost like you're taking away from trying to take something away from the universe or take something away from the environment rather than give back mm -hmm. give it back or give back or just be a part of it icm is one of those things that is a little bit of a niche but it has a really dedicated following uh, and people who really get it and who are really into it. And uh, I wanted to ask you about the community that you've built around ICM photography. Um, so maybe you could uh, talk a little bit about that and how it came about and what you're doing community-wise around your photography. Yeah, um, so for a long time, I've wanted to build a community around creative photography, abstract photography, and ICM photography and I started trying to do that probably even 
a year or two years before I created the magazine but different things were going on in my life that kind of prevented me from being able to move all of that forward and then in 2020 I don't know if you're familiar with Derek Mikulski no. he's um, a Polish photographer that lives in England and he was producing a magazine called Long Exposure Photography Magazine and he had a Facebook group called LE Mag LE Mag group um, and he had started that in 2018 and it was kind of something that I had been thinking about as well but like I said I didn't get to move it forward well and then 2020 he asked me if I would be interested in having a um, column, a regular ICM section in his monthly digital magazine. Um, and I said, yeah, sure, no problem. So I did that for a couple of months and I thought, you know what, I think there's potential to just build a magazine solely dedicated to ICM and this is something I've thought about for a long time anyway, so I'm just going to do it. I'm going to step out there and put faith in the universe that it's all going to work out. And um, so that's kind of how that came about. And I asked him and I you know, I told him I want to base this kind of similarly on what you've been doing with your Facebook group and your magazine because he, you know, built the following for the magazine on through the group. Um, and so he was he was didn't have a problem with that at all. And so that's kind of how that that launched. And um, I just reached out to about 10 or 12 photographers that I either knew personally as ICM photographers or I was familiar with their work and then to fill the extra spots that I still had or wanted uh, I just started looking for some photographers that I liked their work that their work resonated with me and um, so that's that was the first issue basically was just mm -hmm. featuring these 12 photographers and then um, you know, it's just kind of blossomed from there. Um, the Facebook group has grown exponentially. The magazine is still going strong. Um, I've been collaborating with a couple of other ladies who do ICM, Morag Patterson from Scotland mm -hmm. and Kaisa Seren in Finland. And we do workshops and we have a private uh, membership community built all on ICM photography so you know it the three of us really do have this passion for celebrating the art and the beauty of ICM photography but not just that but also to give other people of a, a place to express themselves you know mm -hmm. creatively and to nurture that and encourage it and to inspire them um, not just to physically think about taking ICM photos but to make those deeper connections with um, you know their spirituality or with the environment or to make connections with art or literature um, you know because everything is so connected and with art art can speak very profoundly to so many things and I I just personally want to encourage people to be looking for those ways to use their ICM to create not just beautiful abstract images but to make those kinds of connections outside of the images or to bring those connections to their imagery that they're making uh, if that makes sense but um, you know it's been a it's been a, a blessing for me because I've gotten to meet and interact with so many people that I never mm -hmm. would have had the opportunity you know to have been in contact with and especially because of COVID, I think COVID has made it easier to do things like this online mm -hmm. because now we're, we are living in this kind of a world where our relationships in a lot of cases are virtual as opposed to 
being in person. I could never have had this relationship with Kaiza and Morag if it weren't for technology. And uh, COVID has kind of driven that, I think, mm -hmm. in a lot of ways that mm -hmm. we didn't necessarily foresee <laughs> before COVID. Um, I really admire the community that you've built around um, what you're doing. And yeah, it seems like a great place for someone who's curious about this to start with ICM photography, your community and the magazine seems like a great place where they could start. So I'll put the links in the show notes um, for that, where people can find you and um, yeah, they can take it from there. Let's go uh, in a different direction and quickly talk about camera gear. I don't know how important gear lenses and things are in this kind of photography i don't know but if, what would you reach for in your camera bag um camera and lens well for me i work with a canon 5d mark iii and my go-to lens is my um f4 l series um 70 to 200 millimeter lens that's okay. what i typically always shoot with but with icm you know you don't have to have um i mean there's a whole movement with mobile icm iphone okay. icm going on right now and if you know andy gray who is an icm photographer in northumberland okay. um, he's got a very big following he does weekly live stream um, youtube videos where he goes through his whole process of creating his uh, post-processing his of his post-processing and people always reference andy gray's work when you when you're talking about ICM photography, I think he's one of the the people that's really kind of helped put it on the map. Mm -hmm. um, and he has a very intricate post processing workflow. Mm -hmm. It requires a lot of time and attention and detail. I don't personally work that way. Mm -hmm. I like to do as much as I can in camera, and I don't spend a lot of time post-processing. But the point I was going to try, I was trying to get to, was that for the longest time, Andy shot with a lower-end Nikon mm -hmm. camera, uh, and so uh, it, that only had maybe I think he's maybe said it only was like 12 megapixels mm -hmm. <laughs> you know now he's up to i don't know the nikon brands because i'm a i'm a canon i'm not sure what the higher level nikon camera is but he did in the last year or so invest in one of the higher end nikons that has you know the 25 megapixels um but yeah i mean you don't have to have a lot of expensive gear to do icm mm -hmm. and if I hadn't already had a 5D Mark III and the L-series lenses, mm -hmm. uh, which are Canon's best lenses, um, for the landscape work that I was doing. I might not have ever invested in that mm -hmm. um, for the ICM. I don't know. But because I've worked with it now for so long, I'm used to it. And there is a difference. So I also have a Canon 7D and other lenses. And when I try to shoot ICM with my 7D, it requires me to move and think a little bit differently than when mm -hmm. I'm working with my 5D. And I don't do it with my mobile phone at all, but I'm sure that there's a whole nother learning curve to try to figure out how to move the camera, yeah. you know, with a mobile phone, mobile device. Um, so, you know, there are intricacies that are um, specific to the types of camera that you're going to use. Mm -hmm. But once you start working with it, uh, you just develop muscle memory, I mm -hmm. think, you know, and it's, and so it, it's, um, it just becomes a natural thing. And then do you use filters? Do you use like an ND filter or anything like that? I have a, I do have a three stop ND just screw on one mm -hmm. uh, you know when I was doing my landscape photography work I had the whole leaf filter kit system mm -hmm. that I used and when I started doing ICMs I did not use filters at all for the longest okay. time because you know I could shoot in the middle of the day a lot of times especially in a woodland area with my long lens my 70 to 200 and I can go up to f32 anyway 
so I don't necessarily need that filter because I can stop down to f32 which you know as a landscape photographer you know anybody in their right mind as a landscape photographer would probably never use f32 mm -hmm. <laughs> to mm -hmm. shoot traditional landscapes yeah. um, but that's the thing with ICM you can do that and it's no problem and then I try not to talk about apertures and shutter speeds, but if you were, where where would you like to be at for a shutter speed for the type of movements that you do? For me, I, well, I, for the longest time I shot at one thirteenth of a second. Okay. That, that was, was your magic number. That was my magic number for probably, I don't know, the first two or three years. Okay. And over the past couple of years, I've been dialing it back a little bit to, to go a little bit longer. So I'm at probably about a half a second, which isn't a huge amount, yeah, <laughs> you know, it's... from one thirteenth to one half of a second isn't a huge amount, but it does make a difference. Now, when I try to shoot at F at, at one thirteenth of a second, after I'm used to shooting at one half of a second, it's like, oh man, I got to move way faster than I do at a half a second. Yeah. But you know, the beauty with ICM is that you can shoot at any shutter speed, you know, five mm -hmm. seconds if you want to. You can hold the camera still, move, hold the camera still, move. You know, it's just, there's just a lot of play and experimentation that goes into it. Mm -hmm. um, because you know, to, to find, you know, what's going to work for you and what's not going to work for you. But then even just stepping outside of what is working for you to experiment with something different is going to open up a whole nother door of creativity yeah. for you. I can imagine it's sort of endless. I really thought it would be a longer shutter speed. I was thinking like 13th particularly, like that's really not a slow shutter speed. But yeah, like you say, there's no boundaries on that really. Um, and then processing, you you have a light touch with processing, I think you said. So just Lightroom and Photoshop kind of thing? or Yeah, I do all of my main edits in Lightroom and I'm just basically making adjustments to exposure, highlights, shadows. A lot of times, especially when I'm shooting sunsets, um, you know, I'm shooting directly at the sun or where the sun is setting. So um, I will a, a lot of times bring the highlights way down and I'll bring up the shadows quite a bit. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing that I do Oh, sometimes I change the temperature. It just, you know, if the if the raw fight, because I shoot in raw, I don't mm -hmm. shoot in JPEG, I shoot in raw. And if I was shooting a sunset and it was kind of maybe the, the raw file might come back looking a little grayish, mm -hmm. I might adjust the temperature in Lightroom to make it more blue, to give it more blue so that it looks, you know, more like what I was seeing when I was out there. Um, but just minor things like that. I'm not making huge adjustments. I'm not adding something that wasn't there or taking away anything. Uh, and then I export to Photoshop and I do my spot removal mm -hmm. in Photoshop. I find the spot healing brush tool in Photoshop much easier to use than the spot removal tool in Lightroom so mm -hmm. yeah, yeah it's much much easier isn't it um okay so for someone who wanted to who was hearing this maybe wanted to give this a try you don't need fancy gear you don't need to have a, a long back-end process you can really just have a have a shot really even as much as with your phone but with any SLR camera for sure um so that's really encouraging I hope people want to give this a try this is a round called double exposure, okay? Where I'm going to ask you about a picture of yours that I really like and for the story behind it. And then okay. I'll ask you if you're okay to share one that you particularly have a good story to go with from your photography journey. So th there was there's so many pictures that are on your uh, in your portfolio that just look cool to me. But oh, ones you. that I've chosen, maybe because I can just relate to them, um, are a couple with trees in them. And there's from your website called Evening Shade and Evening Light. They're just next or above and below each other. Do you know the, the ones I'm talking about? Yeah, I think I know what you're talking about. And actually, those two images are um, early on in my ICM work. 
they're the same set of trees, mm -hmm. just, you know, one is in probably early summer and the other is in fall uh, when the when the grass is no longer green. And so the the two images, evening shade, I was shooting the the scene where the sun was behind the trees. Mm -hmm. So it was in front of me. And then, so that's where you see that yellow. That's that, that yellow uh, is kind of the background behind the trees. That's a little bit more open mm -hmm. and um, the, and the light is creating a, an effect that kind of makes the greens look a little yellow but then you've got the trees that are in the shade and so that's why i call it evening shade mm -hmm. um and then the evening light is actually on the back side of those trees mm -hmm. with the light behind me okay. shining so it, they're they're the light is behind me and I'm shooting them from a different angle. Uh, and those trees are very, actually very special to me because, um, you know, those trees are really where I got started with my ICM. Okay. Both of those images are early images. And I used to walk with my dog on this path that we would go by those trees and I would just take my camera with me and I would always stop and shoot them and I would just shoot, 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 shoot. Um, and so I must have shot those trees, I don't know, thousands of times. Mm -hmm. But those two particular and especially Evening Shade is probably one of my most liked images even still. Okay. Um, of of by other people and it is one of my favorites as well yeah they're they're it's just so they're lovely images i mean oh thank yeah, you yeah it's great i wondered if there's um a, a moment or a picture or just an anecdote from your photography journey that is a particularly memorable moment or something you would like to share um well, I, I can't necessarily think of anything other than we were just talking about my dog and he was such a big part of my creative journey. Um, he passed away two, three years ago. Mm. Um, you know, I think a lot of, I mean, I gave you the reason why I got into ICM because of my travels to Ireland and not being able to find any inspiration in the Iowa landscapes. But then it was also because of him, because we would go out and walk on these trails in the woods in so many different locations. I would just take him all over the place. And every time we would go out, I would take my camera with me. I just started to, you know, always capture the scenes while we were walking using ICM. So that was kind of a big part of, of it. Um, for me as well and a lot of my early work was trees because we did spend a lot of time uh, walking in woodland areas on trails and things like that so trees are always are very special to me and something that I do uh, have a real connection with and in fact I've started reading a, some books on forest bathing because I want to you know I think I've probably been doing forest bathing, mm -hmm. <laughs> just not just not necessarily having that title or that terminology yeah. associated with it. Uh, so I'm finding it interesting that a lot of, you know, people are getting interested in forest bathing because of the healing nature of being in the woodlands and and absorbing and becoming part of that. Uh, becoming connected to that whole ecosystem in in the in the forest um, in that way that's something that ICM has always helped me do and a lot of it was because I think I was going out with my dog mm -hmm. you know just to be out in nature with him and taking my camera along the way mm -hmm. uh, there's nowhere like a forest I mean it's a, there's such a special atmosphere in forests isn't there okay Let's bring it home. It's the final round, the quick fire round called Motor Drive. Okay. And uh, <laughs> here it goes. Um, okay, wide angle or telephoto? Telephoto. For sure. Coffee or tea? Tea. Oh, okay. Got a particular kind of tea that you're into? or? Uh, I kind of make my own blend of 
herbal and green so it's half kind of half and half herbal uh hibiscus and half green tea Okay. and some some dried berries that go in that but i did drink coffee for a long time and then i've i stopped drinking coffee about two and a half years ago and i've just drunk i've just had tea ever since Mm -hmm. it's Yeah, been tea yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't see you as a caffeinated type, actually, yeah <laughs> from what we've said. But um, so stay up late or wake up early. Stay up late. Okay, I'd like to be a wake up early. Sometimes I am in summer, but usually like today I was like, I should have stayed up late to work last night because I didn't get up early today. Anyway, because when, when I'm awake, I'm already awake. I don't have to wake up again. Anyway, <laughs> so um, a little bit about me. Um, okay, expensive lens cloth or the corner of your shirt? Lens cloth. Oh, right. Wow. Okay. Um, and do you have a favorite emoji? I don't know. I mean, I use the heart emoji. I use the, you know, the prayer, thankful emoji a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I use the smiley face emoji a lot. But if I'm joking around, I use the one that's not crying, but tears, but kind of like turned sideways okay a little bit. I don't know what that <laughs> one is, it's but like crying I don't know with what they're laughter called. but Yeah, on the side exactly. okay Yeah. okay it's interesting it's a whole <laughs> language you know um yeah. what's your favorite band from your state <laughs> you can choose iowa or texas whichever state you like hmm. Well, I don't know that I necessarily have a favorite, but I'll tell you an interesting story. mm-hmm And you probably don't even know who this group is, Pantera. Um, maybe It's is it like an heavy metal. eighties kind of 80s. yeah I went to high school with those guys. oh no way <laughs> so if you look up Pantera, Daryl uh, and uh, Daryl and Vince, they're the, the, the guys that formed, that created that band Pantera. <laughs> okay I was in high school and band actually with those guys in Texas. oh you were in the band that's like the school band Mm okay okay -hmm. Yeah. I thought for a second you were in Pantera but anyway No, 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 I wasn't in Pantera, uh, but I was, we were all in the school band and we played, you know, together. So, uh, but they went on to, uh, build this, this mega empire around this, um, heavy metal band called Pantera. What <laughs> mm -hmm. so were they obviously good musicians or they just had something Oh, special they, they were very, well, no, they were good musicians and I mean, Vince or Daryl, excuse me, the guitar player, um, he was often kind of compared to um, Eddie Van Halen. Okay, right. Wow. So, yeah, Okay, he was good. interesting. Oh, good one. Um, okay, what's a weird thing I can find in your camera bag? Yeah. <laughs> I keep bandanas in my camera bag, but I mean, they're called bandanas or handkerchiefs. Mm hmm. And I use them as handkerchiefs to blow my nose Ah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> when I'm out. Because, you know, in your, if it's cold out, your nose is always runny. And so I always have a handkerchief or a bandana that I use to, to blow my nose when I'm out. Mm And I keep those in my camera bag. hmm cool okay everybody's got something um name a photographer <laughs> we should all know a hero a mentor someone that you look up to uh, well, I guess I would say that the two that are my heroes and that I look up to are the two ladies that I collaborate with, mm -hmm. Kaiser Seren from Finland and Morag Patterson from Scotland, um, because we work so well together and not, that's not why they're my heroes, but we do work so well together. We've, we've developed this really special bond, I think, through the collaboration that we've had. And they both are just amazing photographers themselves. They both are very giving, very supportive, encouraging. Um, you know, their, their ethos is the same as mine, I think, in that they want to give more than take, you know, and, and it's always about what you can do for other people more than what you get out of it, Mm hmm you know, and so that's just really special because I don't know that you find that a lot these days, mm hmm and so Yeah, it's it's refreshing, always, yeah.
Yeah. Yeah, I think it's around. I think there's a lot of people, but maybe because of the nature of that, they're not seeking a spotlight or anything like that. So maybe they go unheralded, I guess. Yeah, um, maybe. I have to say, people. I mean, everybody. Most people I've approached to to do the podcast. I don't know them. They don't know me. So it's amazing how giving people can be. I've been surprised by it because I'm just emailing people out of the blue. They literally have never heard of me, and mm. um, and some of the the people that you think should should I bother because this person's like you know top of their field, and and those are the ones who are the most generous. It's it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Really. It can't be a coincidence. Um, yeah. And the last question I always have, when do you feel at peace with the universe? I feel at pe- most at peace with the universe when I am in nature, um, just having quiet time, you know, just being. I went out actually on Monday. It was one of the rare days that I get that I had had for a long time to just go out and do something for myself and that's what I did I just went out to be rather than rather than do mm-hmm. uh, anything and just spend time in nature and you know I don't even have to especially when I don't take my camera you know and I just go out and spend time in nature um, just being I think that's the time that I, I do feel the most connected um, because, you know, you can just be and you're not doing anything. Mm. Yeah, that's a great answer. Thank you so much. It's so thought-provoking, so interesting. Thanks a lot. No, thank you. I appreciate you asking me. I, you know, it's a, it's a wonderful opportunity to share and also, you know, to get to know you a little bit as well. And I just really appreciate um, the time that you've given me to, to talk about ICM photography because it is my passion and, and I do love to share it. You're welcome. Thanks for listening. Follow Stephanie on Instagram and check out the ICM photo community and magazine that she's built. Links are in the show notes. If you enjoyed this episode, then check out my conversations with Valda Bailey and Shona Perkins, both ICM abstract photographers. Take care, enjoy your photography, and I'll see you out there.